Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with the divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. I'm John Marty, a state senator from Minnesota for the last 32 years, a long time, and been to Holden a number of times. This week I'm teaching on the intersection between public policy and social justice and a number of issues. And one of the things I've been focusing on a lot is how we need to create hope for the future. I One of my sessions was actually titled of creating a Martin Luther King vision or fulfilling Martin Luther King's vision in a Donald Trump world because of the fact that I think many of the things Martin Luther King talked about, about love for our neighbors, about concern for each other, about betterment for society, are the antithesis, the opposite of what we're having in our society now where there's much more fear and division and we want this for ourselves against those people, the, the building walls, um, which are more than literal walls, they're figurative walls as well. We're trying to build walls between people. And Martin Luther King's vision was a world where we're building bridges between people, metaphorically, and perhaps real bridges instead of walls. Um, that comes this year at a time where the last month or two has been filled in the news of U.S. immigration policy and this family separation thing where they're yanking young children away from their parents. Time magazine had an iconic cover last week of a little girl, a little immigrant girl who's crying as her mother's being um, searched and patted down and the girl's crying and looking up in fear and a picture, superimposed a picture of Donald Trump looking down at her with kind of a glare and the head caption is simply, Welcome to America. And it's very clearly, it's not a welcome to America. We don't want you here. And I, I think it's important to talk about how we are a nation that consists, at least 99% of us are immigrants or children or descendants of immigrants. And we are treating it as if, oh, those people, meaning new immigrants, are not only unwelcome, but they're bad people. They're evil, they're harmful, they're going to hurt us, everything like that. And we don't just degrade them in terms of they're lesser than us, less valued in God's eyes than we are. We, we call them illegal. I don't know how a person can be illegal. It's not a very Christian understanding of what a person is, but um, we call them illegal. And it's, and, well, they're undocumented. Well, you know, we whose parents or grandparents or great-grandparents came over here to somebody else's land, we didn't ask for permission. We didn't have documentation. Uh, we came on our own and because we needed to either escape some awful thing happening or hope for a better life. 
Um, both of those are reasons people come here these days. In many, many cases, it's because of fear for their lives. And we want to shut the door on them. And so I want to, as we talk, Fourth of July, Independence Day, talk about our, our nation's values. I want us to get back to the concept that separating young children from their parents, which has been widely condemned from both political parties, from um, from almost everybody is being condemned, is a very inhumane and cruel way to treat people. And I want us to start talking about how we got to that situation, how we got to this thing where we as immigrants say, we don't want you immigrants here. And that's not new. I mean, it's been through every wave of immigrants wants to ban the next wave or wants to degrade them or treat them as lesser. But um, we're at a, at a time that the hatred and the exclusion of others has grown more than it ever has been in the past. And I guess that really bothers me to see. I, I think that Hogan Village is a community grounded in faith, uh, people who care about others, who care about their neighbors in need. And we ought to be finding ways to welcome people into the community. Last year I found a website, a, a picture on, on the Internet that I thought was really powerful. It was in Milwaukee, Oregon. A lumber company there has interesting signs on theirs, and there's a sign that said, forget the wall, build a deck, invite everyone over. And I thought, that's a great sign for a lumber company. And instead of building fences and so on or walls, build a deck. They're going to sell lumber either way. But it was the metaphorical picture that they were trying to get across. It's not. It's saying, hey, let's not build walls between peoples. Um, let's be more welcoming than that. Let's put out a deck, build a deck, and invite everyone over, which I thought was a creative and beautiful statement. And I... I think that's what Holden is trying to reach out to people with, the understanding that we're all God's children and why are we who are immigrants so harsh and nasty to newer immigrants? And so I, I really hoping that some of the talks is, we can help inspire people on how to, how to move forward at a time when we're, we're facing more division and incivility and hatred towards others than we've faced in... I don't want to say ever, but we've got a higher incidence of that in our society now than we've had in a long time. And our national government intentionally saying, we want to keep these people out. And these people who come to our borders, often in pain and fear, um, the message of the Statue of Liberty, which is a great American icon, um, give us your tired, your hungry, your poor um, people coming here in desperation and we're welcoming you with a lantern and uh, we want you, we welcome you, we want to help you. And our nation's official policy has turned to the exact opposite of that. And so I'm hoping we can move forward in a positive way and that's one of the messages I'm trying to talk about. If you want to fulfill that vision, the first step you have to have is to restore hope. And it's understandable when people get beaten down. I'm not talking about optimism versus pessimism because there's plenty of cause for optimism, plenty of cause for pessimism. But um, hope is something deeper than that. And I think the most important thing we have to do is restore that hope. And Martin Luther King was very articulate in talking about you may not get there, you may not succeed, 
you do succeed. You make lots of victories, but you may not get your ultimate goals. Um, our lives are too short, and the, as he said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And he, I mean, his I Have a Dream speech, which is so well-known, um, is is beautiful, saying here's what the kind of world we want, here's the kind of society we want, here's what we got to get. And he later on, a, year, a month or two before he died, he gave a speech called Unfilled Dreams and talking about how Mahatma Gandhi made steps forward, but he got in India independent. But he also wanted a uni- united India, and the Hindu-Muslim violence was so great, he died was assassinated in the middle of that violence that separated into India and Pakistan and so on. And so he talks about how you keep the hope, even if you're David fighting against Goliath, even if you're not sure you're going to win, how being on the road to that to where you want to get to is the right step. It's very important to be on the right road. And, and he talked about how that's one of the ways you create hope. Um, others have talked about how much hope, even for people who don't have a religious belief, seems to come from outside. It seems to come from some higher power or some people of faith that comes from God. Um, but even people without any faith seem to get their sense of hope from others somehow or another. And and I think it's very important. The first step you have to do if you're going to move forward is have that hope. You can't have the defeatism. You can't have the the cynicism that you know, there's no chance, what difference does it make? Whatever I do doesn't matter. You need the hope. And and so I think Martin Luther King's an illustration of that because throughout his life he was fighting battles that weren't going to change. And he knew you weren't going to end segregation. You knew you weren't going to change voting rights. You knew you weren't going to do this. and But he kept plugging away. And he didn't reach all his ultimate goals. You don't. But he still because of that hope and because of the continuing to work that comes from that hope, you're able to have success. Yeah, the very last one, the very last day, I've seen the, yeah, the night before he died was right. prescient about what might have happened. Yeah, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. Right. I may not get there with you, but we're going to get there. We as a people are going to get there. Very biblical imagery. Um, and yeah, he's saying, hey, I... I, I that part of my hope, I know we're going to get there. I've seen it. I can see what's ahead. I may not get there, but, I mean, what a hopeful message there. I mean, he's saying, hey, don't worry. I mean, if I'm not with you anymore, it doesn't mean you're not going to get there. So it's it's telling them, when I'm gone, continue the hope. Right. Yeah. Each one of us has our own type of hope, but that hope is it's a common hope, too. It's a, I mean, I, I think most people... Even people who are cynical and jaded and whatever else, they still have some flicker of hope inside of them. And when others appeal to that hope and remind them and stir up that hope, it, it rekindles it and so on. And it's not just the hope inside your heart. It's the hope of you and the community around you. And the stronger that flicker of hope in you grows, the more it spreads to others and it's contagious, yeah. These days we are very much... Um, trying to save what's left of our healthcare non-system, or some people want to take it apart, some people want to build it up, but in either case, we've got a dysfunctional healthcare system. Some of the best doctors and hospitals and nurses, others in the country, in the world, but the worst system for accessing it. And I've got a proposal and a way of articulating that that I want people to understand that 
I think we have to stop tinkering with a broken system and say we want to set up a new system, a universal system like like police and fire, like elementary school. Everybody gets to go. You don't have to qualify to go to kindergarten. You don't have to pass a test. Your parents don't have to have the right school insurance plan. They get a go. You get a go. But with healthcare, well, you got to have the right insurance plan. You have to have the right qualification. You got to qualify either through work or through income or whatever. You can qualify to get healthcare. And so I'm talking about about how we need a system where healthcare is is accessible to everybody without qualification. And then I'm doing one on it's titled "Baking the Planet," talking about how we um, have to address climate in a way that's far more urgent than we as a society are. And how we're the only country on the planet that I'm aware of where climate change and human impact on the climate um, is debated, um, where there's a lot of people who say, oh, it's bogus and we don't care what the science says, we don't believe it. Um, so we're talking about that and how we move forward in a rational way on a very uh, topic that has the potential to destroy humanity and the planet. And, I mean, the planet will still be here, but to destroy the life as we know it on the planet. Um, so talking about that, another one I'm talking about creating a, a different approach to international relationships, and that's a, why don't we have a U.S. Department of Peace? We have a what used to be called Department of War, now Department of Defense, but it has the same role. It's it's fighting fights, and sometimes it's a lot easier to bring people together. And a story in the 1880s or so in Argentina. Um, between Argentina and Brazil, there were two armies growing clashes, and it was going to be a war. And tens of thousands of soldiers marching many miles to get there, and two bishops, one from each side, went together and in front of the troops um, hugged each other, and and they ended up getting a peace agreement signed between the two. Instead of a war, they did that. And there's a big sculpture on the mountain of Christ in Rio de Janeiro of um, to commemorate that moment, that two bishops risked their lives going in front of the troops and hugged each other and kissed each other and said, we're going to get along. And why can't our international relations, not just our country, but certainly our country could be a leader in that, saying, you know, war is the way we've been divide, deciding things, but there are better ways. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information, or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.